and welcome to Lit Liturgy. This is Becca Midiki-Kanlan. I am the pastor at St. Paul's Lutheran Church on the south side of Easton, Pennsylvania. And this is Lydia Postle, and I'm the pastor of Family and God Lutheran Church in Buckeye, Pennsylvania, an hour north of Philadelphia. And we are your favorite creative worship podcast, Worship with a Twist. Uh, today I'm being lit uh, all the way in Wisconsin, um, and we... Usually we say that we're, we're really exciting and lit and happening and rad and all that good stuff. Um, we are going to be awesome and rad and all that good stuff. We just won't be super drunk because, uh, well, for you, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Um, I'm a little bit later at least. So my drink of the day is yeah. tea, raspberry, black, uh, loose leaf tea. So fancy, I know. I am, I'm at coffee, so still, still working on my second cup, so. Yeah. You haven't spiked it and put, yeah. made it Irish, uh, Irished up your coffee or anything? No, no Kahlua today, so maybe later. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are also, for the first time, experimenting recording this uh, not in the same room with each other, so bear with us if there's any technical difficulties, because it's one of those things. And if there's technical difficulties, I will swear, because, you know, it's what I do. Yeah, and hopefully at least our theme song will have turned out all right, because Brian O'Dean is awesome. It is. Shout out to him. Yes. <laughs> so this week, uh, we are recording separate uh, from each other, because... Our theme this week, uh, this time, this episode is about these large group worship services. We were going to record last week when we were together at uh, the at the end of the ELCA churchwide assembly, and we just couldn't get our act together to find some time to do it because um, we're so busy. I know, and a week later, I'm still exhausted. So, Same. great experience, and so glad that I could go. But yeah, still exhausted a week later. I wish I was like you, Lydia, and took a full week of vacation afterwards. Yeah, it, it's it's been it's been alright. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about special group worship services. So we're talking about assemblies, conferences, continuing ad- opportunities, joint worship services. Basically, when you are worshiping with a group of people who are not normally worshiping together. Um, and how to go about that, because I'm sure some of the people who listen to this probably are planning on those, whether it's a Senate worship committee or a conference worship committee or something else of the like. Yeah, we'll try to figure out what we learned from this last week. <laughs> yeah, and from other conferences we've been to and, and have led. And I'm, uh, yeah, so some general thoughts um, is that variety is a slice of life when you go to these things, especially like if you're at an ecumenical conference, then have multiple worship styles. Because like as a Lutheran, I only get to go to Lutheran worship services predominantly. So it'd be really nice at an ecumenical uh, event to be able to like, oh, today's service is gonna be very Episcopalian and tomorrow's service is gonna be very Methodist. And then there's gonna be a UCC church service on, on Thursday because I don't get to experience that, and so trying to meld everything together, it's nice, but I would also like to just be able to be in somebody else's tradition for a day. If you are happen to all be worshiping like all as Lutherans or all as Methodists or all as Presbyterians, I'm sure there are worship styles and also uh, liturgies that are are still kind of of a wide variety within your tradition. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool to um, include those varieties within a worship service so that maybe people who haven't experienced 
um, like in the Lutheran church, setting eight. Maybe that's not something that you've done before, uh, but then you have a chance to be comfortable with it uh, in a large group. And also take some time to lift up some new worship styles. So the first time I ever experienced dinner church, I was at a conference. Um, you can do something like worship without walls or have a time of prayer station. So these things that are considered like new and unique might be a good thing to lift up throughout the uh, service, but at the same time, allow people to still be formatted within a traditional liturgy, depending on the style of worship. Another thing you can do is include in your, specifically in like the prayers of intercession, prayers of the people, lift up different, take the opportunity to lift up different types of people uh, in the prayers and also have different varieties of people speak during the prayers as well. Uh, another bit of advice is to keep in line with what's happening in the main conference. So pick your hymns, your readings based on the theme of the conference. And even better if you know what the daily themes are or know what the business will be addressed. So like one thing that I was dis disliked about worship at Churchwide Assembly is we had this uh, great, we ended this morning session with having a, an apology to people of African descent for racism and white nationalism and white supremacy that was done on behalf of the church. And it was beautiful. But then instead of going straight from that to a gospel service, we went to a service that was mostly in Spanish. And I love the Spanish service. It just, that would have maybe have been better on Wednesday when we were then going to then go protest ICE, which granted might have been the same day thinking of it back on it, but I don't think it was. Uh, but here's an example of where it worked well. We went to the Festival of Homiletics, and as you would imagine, when we did have worship, a huge part of each worship service was taken up with the preaching, which you would expect. So that was a pretty obvious choice, but it worked well. Yes. Uh, another general thought is to be mindful of the size of your space and the size of your group. So if you're a smaller conference in a larger space, like maybe you're just doing something of like you're in the Lutheran church, we have like mission districts or conferences. And so it's only going to be 20 people, but you're in this large church that can seat 300. Well, then rearrange the chairs in a chancel area of this great cathedral or um do away with some of that formality that happens when you're in a larger space uh, with a larger group but you can also then lift up some time of silence especially with such a small group and then if you are in a huge with a huge gigantic group in a huge hotel conference room um make sections don't just have like big huge chunks of uh chairs and people divide them up into smaller sections it makes communion way easier uh-huh we saw this firsthand yeah it was they like did it like nobody's business they had a down pat communion like took what 10 minutes for a crap ton of people not even to serve it wasn't even 10 minutes to serve yeah it was that was definitely not the longest part of the service by any means. Also because um, with vision issues and things like that, so video projection might especially be really helpful, especially uh, during preaching and if you're doing the readings, but it's also, but it can be distracting during communion and during uh, the actual congregational singing. So if you, you could choose to have kind of like a picture slideshow running during that, during that time, as long as the pictures aren't going neither super fast or super slow. So kind of like play with the timing on that. Yes. Um, the big entrances are really awesome. When you have the cool Holy Spirit sticks and um, we saw like sticks with kites on them and fish. 
and dove kites. Tons of people push us in. And then if you're at like a super large convention center, I'm talking like youth gathering, 30,000 people, you need to use video projection for everything, plus also words on the screen. So you want multiple screens. Um, so that you screens just so you can see what's happening and screens also so you can read and sing along um, and also when you're at such a large convention center you can use lighting to spotlight individuals at the youth, ELCA youth gathering in Houston they had this really powerful moment where it was pretty much all the lights were dimmed and it was there was one spotlight in this entire um, stadium that was on this person bringing a cross in and otherwise dark. They also were able to play with people using lights on their phones to respond to various questions so you can see people from across the way with their lights up. That was really helpful and then it kind of made a nice wavy effect. And also work on those grand entrances but even more so like a ribbon stick that's you know in a convention center uh, or a hotel conference room that's 20 feet tall even in a grand stadium isn't going to be anything if you are in a stadium where that has you know 100 plus feet tall ceilings so make everything even larger and you know if you want to process in like the macy's parade go for it so technology can be your friend in these large spaces um if people are expected to either have tablets or bring their own tablets or phones um for the conference we it would be really nice to have those worship materials be available for download as pdf and then of course have a few paper copies available for people who are maybe having issues or technologically challenged something that we found that was um, a little frustrating at our assembly was we all had the option of being given iPads and then worship always was in a huge they, they passed out these huge bulletins as well to everyone yes the expectation was you weren't supposed to use any technology technology was precluded from worship yeah it was precluded <laughs> Whereas at um, Young Clergyman, I think they always bring paper copies, but the expectation is that you will have a device with you that you can save some trees. Um, use screens for hymns and liturgies as available as you have them, um, but don't put them in the center, especially if you have like an altar space kind of in the middle. Put them uh, off to the side so that you can focus on the front, but also kind of pay attention to the screens. Um, don't be afraid to dim the, the house lighting or turn up the house lighting. Um, many conference centers are used to there being kind of like a stage lighting, but you can adjust this so that whether people need to read or you need to make it go up and down for maybe mood lighting or for, for a greater effect or something like that. And also if you can, live streaming is awesome. Facebook Live is free. <laughs> yep. Doesn't take a whole lot to live stream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but People still don't do it when it's available, but that's another issue. <laughs> if you do project art, as we mentioned earlier, do your research about what art you're using. And then also going along with technology, kind of just be aware of like how the mics are working. Like, are you, are the speakers, people speaking, turning on, turning the mics on and off? Is it controlled uh, in a central spot? The funny hot mic situation where there was a bit of a snafu during worship and our presiding bishop could be heard afterwards saying, that was crazy. <laughs> it was a great moment of worship. Another great bit of advice for when yeah. you're doing uh, 
worship that is people who are not used to worshiping together is explain everything. It is obnoxious, but explain it. Like explain how you are going to commune. Explain every time you expect people to move. Um, there, you know, communion, like we said, it was done really well and it was efficiently, but the first day people were like, wait, where am I going for communion? What's happening? And then, but, uh, and it worked out well because it was so many communion stations. But then like one, there's another day that they ended the day where you could be blessed for service uh, before you left. And I don't think a lot of people saw the stations because we were in such a large room and with so many people that you couldn't see over to the one side. And so I think so many people missed it because people do not read what's printed in their bulletin. They don't. So explain it. It is better to explain. We had a situation at my synod assembly that I was on the worship committee and we had communion figured out and it was not verbally explained. And so people just went where they thought they should go. And really, communion was a clusterfuck. I mean, it is, there's no other word for it. It was so bad. There was like, uh, it was, I mean, we were jam-packed in the space anyway. And so it was just so bad. So explain, explain, explain. If you teach a new song uh, or a liturgy element, it's a great time to do that as a prelude as people come to get to know it a little bit because there's going to be people that get to the service, you know, well beforehand, especially in a large, large worship setting and having running through it during the prelude is a great time so that when you get to that element, a good chunk of the people know what that is, especially if it's something that... Um, is like, oh, this is brand new, never been used before, or uh, this is a very new thing and the melody is not well known or whatever the case is. I mean, use your own judgment. No matter what you use, you can sing Amazing Grace and it's going to be new to someone when you are singing with a thousand people. And then even before you're planning these uh, huge worship services, um, whether it's you're planning it days ahead, months, hopefully it's months ahead, do a walkthrough of the worship space um, at, at the actual space, if you can, maybe you can't because it's in Milwaukee and you're not there. Um, but pretend that you're not on the planning committee. What needs to be done to help people see, to help people hear, to help people embody the worship? And if you can, ask someone who's not on whatever planning committee you're on to come with you and walk through with you. And then, because they'll have a fresh pair of eyes and hopefully we'll be able to add some insights to your planning process. As far as music and hymns, use that opportunity uh, to take a cue from the hymns. Use instruments to mimic water or wind during those verses when you have verses that are about water and uh, wind. There was a great thing in the churchwide assembly. Instead of saying, you know, men or women are high or low, they said, sing a part in need of your voice. And it was just so lovely, inclusive of this. We're going to sing in harmony and we're going to sing parts. But we aren't going to tell you what part to sing. You can figure it out yourself. And as always, I think the, one of the key points parts is have some kick-ass leaders who know what you're doing really well, who can lead and direct and be a shepherd and also have a backup plan um, for when the unexpected happens. And you can either, the organist knows to like put some extra bits if thing is not going right, or people who know where people should be, um, have some have some good leaders to cover your butt 
when, not if, but when the unexpected happens, because it will. Yes, and something that like Churchwide does, because there is a thousand people there, they have the, um, you know, one person who sits up front with all the worship leaders, he has the little earpiece so he can hear what's happening from other people and then direct the worship leaders who don't have the earpiece and probably shouldn't where they need to go or what's happening as just a great thing. And I think they're great at doing this at for a thousand people, but I think many like synod assemblies or things like that, which are like 500 people really should have that as well of, you know, even if you can't afford the earpiece, you can still text one another, like, or somehow communicate with one another in real time of what, from one person who's standing in the back to one person who's in the front. Well, we have like Bluetooth. You could have like a, not that you want to be on a phone call, but. The, yeah. There's the technology. Yes, there's low tech or cheaper ways than, you know, the headset at the same time. So you don't have to look like a, a, a Secret Service agent. That was fun though, they kind of did. They, <laughs> Secret Service agents in, you know, white yeah. liturgical Secret groups. Secret liturgy agents. <laughs> so do we want to talk about some of the takeaways from specifically churchwide? Sure, ALCA go for assembly? it. Um, so we noticed a couple of really cool uses for the space. As we mentioned, there was kind of the Holy Spirit worship sticks. They put birds and animals on them. They had these, um, how would you describe it? They were like processional banners, but they were like gauze. And they were horizontal, and they had, like, many people. How how would you describe I would say it was almost like it was supposed to mimic water. And so it was like tool, I think I would use instead of gauze. And it was connected at multiple places. So it was a long strip with multiple places so that as people walked in and they uh, moved them up and down, it looked like water that was flowing um, because it was mostly – they were blue. So they were – horizontal instead of vertical yeah yes and we can share pictures i took some pictures and i'll share them on our facebook page and then something else that looked like blue and waters i think they they were people with like strips of blue yeah they had like all together and moving they looked like water do you remember that yeah they had ribbon sticks and they looked actually really chintzy when you saw just one of them (laughs) but from a distance with 30 people moving these ribbon sticks they were good also, get your energetic people with the ribbon sticks because uh, the the giant worship sticks ones that are really waving around because, A, they take a little bit of effort to get that kite swinging or the ribbon swinging, but you want the person who's still willing to move it the entire, like, maybe this really boring remembrance of baptism or it to them boring remembrance of baptism because they're just standing there moving the stick around instead of them just standing there with the stick and holding it. Yeah, so tell them it's arm day. Like this. <laughs> this is going to be a workout race. Maybe they get some CrossFit people and be like, yes, arm day. Something else we thought, at least I noticed that was cool was just the plethora and wide variety of different voices. Um, that were used during prayers. There was one time where someone with a different developmental ability was reading, and um, so he read it with he read the prayer with like a way different cadence than like we were expecting. And so then he, I don't remember what he said, but he, at the end of a sentence. 
once he just was like loud and excited. He was like, to the Lord. <laughs> it yeah. was really cool. And also they had uh, yeah, some yeah. prayers of intercession that were read in different languages. And another point where prayers of intercession, when we were doing the celebration of women's uh, anniversary of ordination, where they just had a whole bunch of different women read. And so to hear, you know, 15 different female voices was awesome. Yeah, that was, it was really amazing. Something that bugged me was we had a huge amount of space and we didn't even have a playground. Yes. Did you see the, where the parents like kind of made their own? Yes. Kind of in the back, off to the side and in like a, not a hallway. um, It was in the back of the aisles. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot to put, like, a kid-friendly rug down and, like, one of those baby gate that kind of pins you in. Like, those aren't, in the grand scheme of things, the rug and maybe two of those that connect it, you're talking less than $500. And in the grand scheme of what they spent on worship, and that stuff is easily reusable. You know, could have been packed up and used, you know, every uh, assembly. True, and I even think, could, could we have partnered with a local church to like, hey, can you bring a couple of your items from your playground? Yes. I mean, we didn't have we that. I was getting a local or something. I don't know. Yeah, and at that event, we didn't have many elementary or like preschool age kids. Most of the kids that were there were babies, um, you know, or maybe yes. really young toddlers. So, but still, it would have been a nice space to have had. Yeah, they did have a kid-friendly space in the bookstore area. And I'm like, can we just take that stuff and just put it downstairs during worship? Another thing that I thought was fun was we sang um, a liturgical element that was written by, I think it was Wendell Berry. It goes, what we need is here. And some of my friends have rewritten the lyrics to it and saying, what we need is beer. So that was just kind of a fun Fun thing that we sang. Yeah. Uh, Something we didn't talk about uh, was the uh, baptismal font. So we came in, and there was this really large, empty space around the baptismal font. And the font was a large bowl, but then they had, like, troughs, four of them out, so it became a cross. And they had, like, a what would be, like, a conference room dance floor. It was probably 10 by 10 was the baptismal font space. And so it was this really large, you came in, you could see that. And it made it very clear of this, like, of a focal point as you walked into the space. Um, That was really nice. And I think, and I've seen that at other conferences, but at a smaller scale of having that font near the door and making it a font that is large enough that, you know, multiple, you're talking like, you know, a, probably a 20 gallon bowl you know, it is a BAM, which is stands for big ass mixing bowl that you have as your baptismal font. So right. you really want a BAM. Yeah, it was really cool. And that picture is on our Facebook page. Yes. So. And that's something that you could make on a smaller scale. Oh, for definitely sure. Definitely do yourself. Yeah, and you can play with it. Like my Synod Assembly, we didn't have space in the room that we were meeting in. I mean, literally, we were crammed in there like sardines. So we moved the baptistry to the hallway. So everybody walked by it back and forth. And it was to the side, so it didn't block because it was a narrow-ish hallway. But at least it was this focal point when you just walked, when you were coming close to the space that you could see this. 
Um, and because we didn't, and then because it was out there, we specifically did not do a remembrance of baptism during worship. All right, you want to share some BYOB? Yeah. All right, we did get a BYOB um, from Katie Jones. She said she planned and led a Tuesday service at a conference a couple of years ago, and she learned a lot of really awesome things. Um, she said that setting the mood was a challenge since she was told in no uncertain terms that the arena that they were in did not allow candles, which, so that's that's kind of a big challenge. And the fluorescent overhead lights were not exactly ideal to, like, set in the mood. So she managed to borrow a crap ton of electric tapers, and that seemed to work. Um, the success depended on an awesome tech team who were willing to listen and allow... Um, and allow the musicians to lead and to get their act together on the slides and make sure that they all matched. Um, and with that many people, they had an amazing number of languages for scripture reading, and she had sent an email out in advance to everyone who'd be attending, inviting anyone with other languages to bring their own Bible with them, and that's, that's pretty cool. Today in that setting worked really well since all of their worship services for the conference had to include both English and French. So she is in Canada um, and today is, you know, supposed to be multilingual. Um, she says that several minutes of shared silence with several hundred people on the floor of an arena is a powerful thing. <laughs> Just reading that gives me chills of thinking of, you know, had we had several minutes of silence with a thousand people in worship last week like and i'm not one for long silences and then lastly she says communication 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 between her the musicians and the tech team um so all, all really good stuff so thank you so much katie for sharing that with us yeah all right moving on to shots uh we have five sundays in september because it's the first sunday of september is september 1st uh, which is also Labor Day weekend, so it's let's be uh, in the United States. Let's be honest, a lot of people won't be there. Um, it is uh, the gospel lesson for the day is Luke uh, fourteen seven through fourteen. Do not sit, which is Jesus telling people, don't sit at the place of honor when you're invited to the banquet, and uh, and when you uh, so that you can instead be invited up if you are at the place of honor, and when you host a banquet, invite. A lot of uh, invite people who are poor so this would be a great day to have a meal service especially again it's Labor Day weekend you might not be expecting as many people have a brunch service instead of a regular worship service um, or you can create a seating chart for a banquet like a la wedding reception or use Pinterest for some inspiration on that or show how complicated the seating charts for weddings can get of like, oh, you can't sit, you know, Uncle Jerry next to Aunt Diane because then there'll be a fight. And we can't sit these two people. Oh, and the, these people should go near each other because they would get along and all that other good stuff. You can also do something like prepare a banquet like have and spend the morning going out and inviting people in the neighborhood. And by a banquet, I, we don't mean like a, a full wedding reception type banquet, but just a meal. Have like breakfast that day and invite people go out and invite people hey come we have like pancakes and eggs come on over you can also do an activity where people have to change from their usual seats um so you know fruit basket upset we might have some people get crazy about that so be mindful of some mobility issues and allowance for families to still sit together but maybe still like say hey you normally sit third from the front well now you have to go sit and you know on the left side and now you, I want you on the right side on the fifth from the back or whatever that is 
And then maybe you can uh, spend some time researching practices of other countries about what's considered like where people should uh, uh, be seated. So like traditional Chinese seating charts would have the highest states person sit opposite the door in case an enemy came and they could not, uh, could most easily escape. And there's other traditions about how the person of honor wouldn't come in the room until everybody else is seated or things like that. Uh, thematic Old Testament is Proverbs 25, 6 through 7, which I'll just quote because it's so short. Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of, of the great, for it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. So, again, invite someone to come up front or invite someone who uh, maybe doesn't get a whole lot of, uh, doesn't, is often put as lowly and lift them up as an individual. Uh, semi-continuous Old Testament is Jeremiah 2, 4 through 13, which is God's people abandon their God and ask, where is God? So have that question that I love of where have people seen God lately? And have people share times they thought that God was far from them and how God came back to them. Or have people do this on two sides of a sheet of paper um, or chart their faith journeys. You can do that as well. That's always a good spiritual practice of people charting faith journeys. September 8th uh, is Rally Day slash Homecoming Sunday slash whatever, something similar for many congregations. I think in the ELCA, that's God's Work Our Hands yes. Sunday. Um, so come back to church and then talk about Luke 14, 25 to 33. Hate your family. <laughs> Be a disciple. Carry on. Estimate the cost before you build. Estimate the cost of war. Give up your possessions to be a follower of Jesus. All really awesome. Rah, 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 let's go back to the church text. Um, so talk about your, what would the modern cost of um, discipleship be for you personally? You could figure out what does it look like in your own life. You could act out um, situations or find movie clips that demonstrate these costs um, in modern terms. Um, you could also have a nice visual of crosses. Get a bunch of people to lend you their favorite or their beloved crosses and then display them. You could talk about the stories behind them if they were received as a special gift or milestone. Um, so that makes for, if you want to put them like all on your altar escape or whatever you call that, Good Friday, and it looks really cool. Um, you can also talk about how we wear an instrument of death around our necks in 24 karat gold <laughs> versus like the big cross that we might see on our walls um, in our church services. And, and what does that mean? And how, how is that, um, what do we do when we kind of put gemstones on our crosses? Even in most churches, the big cross on the wall might only be three feet high and still made out of gold. So the thematic reading is uh, from Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20. If you obey God's commandments, you will have a long Also very great for Rally Day Sunday. Um, so this kind of gets into like prosperity gospel or can get misinterpreted into prosperity gospel pretty quickly if you don't like address what it's really talking about. Um, you could talk about how is one blessed in following these the commandments of God, and then what does that mean? How is one cursed if not? Um, you could explore what choose life actually means, especially the ways that we hold fat that we do hold fast to God. 
Um, and you could make this visual by drawing in um, some nautical imagery of like doing like a fast knot, like talking about fast in the sense of like tight. Um, you could, if you know someone who does a little rope um, tying technology, you know, like knows different types of knots, get a Boy Scout, um, mm -hmm. someone who know who does boating, do a little Googling and talk about how like when you tie a knot tightly, that is an image of holding fast. And then so the semi-continuous, God is the potter who will shape Israel, Jeremiah 18, 1 through 11. That's a pretty, uh, it's a fairly well-known text. Um, give people clay or modeling dough or magic, a model magic, and ask them to make um, a shape of some sort of new ministry or make some, you know, pick some sort of reflection question that they could address while they're doing stuff with the clay, doing stuff with their hands, um, make something, like, make a representation of something that's meaningful to them in their lives. So that's kind of a fun hands-on thing. Yeah. September 15th, uh, we finally get a gospel that's, hey, come back to church. Um, it is, uh, that makes people not want to run away. It I mean, is, I'm yeah, so Luke 15 uh, is, on the 15th, is parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. So you can hide something in the sanctuary that is lost and have people help look for it. It's also a great children's sermon that day. Read from the book One Coin Found by Emmy Kegler. Also, is your building confusing due to multiple additions, like my congregation and my church building is? So it's a good time to talk about getting lost within the church and some need for good signage. Um, also true if maybe you're hard to find in a neighborhood, especially if GPS is wrong. So you can talk about uh, starting that conversation about being a welcoming congregation just by having signs that tell you where the bathrooms are. Um, so yeah. uh, the thematic Old Testament reading is from Exodus 32. Uh, it's Israel's worship, the golden calf. So, you know, that story that we all learned in Sunday school, but really don't actually know that well. Um, so talk about what are the golden calves that we worship today. And you can maybe take images to represent those things and replace any of the crosses in your sanctuary with them. So especially true if you did something with crosses the last week to have that. So you can have like sports balls and you can have dollar signs or money up or you can have, um, you know, movies and, uh, you know, your animals as my dog is wanting to be podcast famous right now. Explore uh, this people being stiff-necked or unwillingness to change and break old habits. Uh, so get out a neck, a neck brace. Uh, you can probably just do a quick like Facebook request and somebody has one somewhere that you know or if you need to go buy one, they aren't that expensive. Um, so how does a neck, uh, the, does that hamper the ability to do ministry? And what are the things in our lives that are keeping us in those neck braces, keeping us from hampering that ability? The semi-continuous Old Testament is uh, Jeremiah 4, some various verses. It's a prophet telling what urban that urban blight is coming. So um, I was thinking, especially if you are in either an urban or a rural setting, you can do either. You can talk about what is the blight in your community and how can you change that. So, you know, uh, just this morning when I was on a run, I noticed how one church near me really really needs to repaint their front doorway it's like just massively peeling off paint but you can also talk about how like the building across the street has boarded up windows or um, or just 
not even board it, but but broken windows. So can you board it up with like and but paint the boards before you put them up so it's a mural that's going up there instead. Um, envision of uh, the future that you can do in ministry together in that place. Do a cleanup project if you can, or start to advocate along with your local government of like, hey, this property is really blighted and it's a huge sore on our community. What can we do to get this? I mean, even if it's just tear down and make into a green space, that's so much better than a building that's falling apart. You can also have some conversation about creation care and balance in the ecosystem. So some plants and animal responds to habitat changes faster than others. So that are the early warning systems. Like we've heard a lot about this with frogs and, and bees lately. So look the, up the, some of that for your area. And then maybe it's something that you can do like you're going to plant a bee, uh, a pollinator garden in your in some of your green space so that bees and butterflies have some more variety in the agriculture so that you have more natural pollinators for all of the soybean fields that are not too far from your house, from your church building. So, or send people home with wildflower seeds so they can do that in their yard too. All right, September 22nd, another really fun text, Luke 16, one through 13, the parable of the dishonest manager. Um, kind of a weird text. Hard to figure out what to do with this one. You could visualize this by um, paying a bill for some of your members, um, forgive somebody's debt. I bet you there's some people in your congregation who would like that mm -hmm. uh, as a good visual. You could get out a big old rope, go in your Sunday school closet and get your tug of war rope, label one side with God and the other side with wealth, because this is the text that has, um, how does it go? It's one of the texts that it's like you can't, it's like the God, wealth. Um, you can't have two uh, masters. You can't have two masters. Yeah, that's what it is. You can't serve both God and wealth. Yes. So, so to kind of visualize, like, get some people on one side, another, and then in the middle, you could put, like, us. That kind of representing the tug of war that we have internally of are we... Um, moving toward serving wealth. Are we moving toward serving God? You can't really, when you pull both sides of the rope, you can't get anywhere. Um, you could also, to address kind of like the changing loyalties type of thing, you could get one of those cheap spy kits and do some of the things that are in the spy kits as something fun to do, a fun visualization. Um, you could share some double agent or like spy stories, especially spies who maybe um, have been serving uh, questionable regimes, but then come over to the to the side of justice and then end up, uh, what do you, words are hard. They're double agents. Redeeming, <laughs> like a redemption, or something. Like, they, like they're serving like the, the side of justice eventually. Yeah. But they end up being, yeah, they end up being double agents. And you can also, if you need help for those stories, I'm the spy museum in DC. And, uh, I, I know there's a spy museum in Berlin and you can, have, they have a lot of those stories on their websites that you can get, find access to. Yeah. So it's a good, good things for sermons and whatnot. The thematic reading is Amos eight, four through seven, a uh, warning to those who trample on the poor. Um, you could do one of those interesting online like questionnaires where you put in like where you live and how big your house is and what kind of car you drive and then it pops out with like how many 
how many slaves or how many people in the third world um, work for me or, you know, mm-hmm. created my lifestyle as kind of an interesting eye-opening way to see how our, li- our lifestyles are affecting other people around the world. You can also take find out the true cost of a common item that you um, wear, uh, use every day and don't think about. For example, just a cotton, a white cotton t-shirt and figure out where does it come from start to finish um, and figure out how many steps along the way it takes and how many people along the way it takes for that one inexpensive or you could do your shoes or take an expensive item. Um, the reading mentions sandals, yes. so you could take shoes and figure that out how do my nikes get from point a to point b if you want somebody to do research for you already aj jacobs recently came out with a book i think it's called like a thousand thank yous or something like that i can't remember the name of it but it's all about how he went and thanked everyone who had a hand in helping make his morning cup of coffee oh yeah i have heard of that yeah that would be good and then you could also do a collection for a homeless ministry or something similar um even better if you pretend that it was stolen for a little bit <laughs> going back to the reading of uh, the warning to, against those who would trample on the war the semi-continuous reading is Jeremiah 8 uh, 18 through 9 1 the people who are left behind are in mourning it talks about healing and balm so you could find an easy uh, recipe to make uh, balm or salve or Um, like lip balm or um, that kind of thing. The verse 20 is the harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. So you could take this Sunday as an opportunity to talk about um, today's the first day of fall. Share what did you do with your summer vacation? Did you get saved? (laughs) Did you feel like um, you had a good summer? Was it all that you expected it to be? Do you feel closer to God now than you did at the beginning of the summer? Um, my church does flat Jesus, and so I use that to try to remind people that wherever you're going, Jesus is with you. So if you have flat Jesus, you could share flat Jesus stories. Yeah. Uh, September 29th is uh, the gospel is Luke 16, which is Lazarus and the rich man. So place warning signs as people enter the sanctuary or the parking lot or the church and see if people actually notice these warning signs. Um, it's a good story to act out. Um, if you live in a, a place with a lot of new developments like McMansions, discreetly go around and take pictures of those fancy gates, and that can be a good image that you have throughout the ser- um, the service of these gates and the differences between the um, poor and the rich. You can also find some great images online of where this great wealth butts up against abject po- poverty. It happens a lot in other countries, but it even happens here in the United States of um, where you have this large development and it's right next to people who are living in, you know, projects or a homeless camp or something like that. Uh, the thematic Old Testament is Luke uh, is Amos 6, um, and the wealthy will be the first who are exiled. Um, so ask that question about who or what do we put our security in instead of God. So you can bring your security blanket or stuffed animal as a kid. Um, or, you know, Linus from Charlie Brown Christmas Tree, but it can also be something like you put your trust in the ring home security system that you have to make sure your packages aren't stolen or your uh, your greater home security system um, and ask those questions about uh, that. I, it's a good question to ask about how, 
how are we rich and wealthy, even those who are not on, you know, by the bank account? And then how will we be exiled? Um, and then rewrite Amos to fill in the blanks like a mad, uh, like mad libs. Alas for those who and lounge on there and eat. So uh, just as a way of kind of getting those conversations going. Um, Semi-continuous is Jeremiah 32, various verses where Jeremiah buys a field. Um, it's a great starting date for a stewardship campaign, especially if you have a mortgage because he's buying a field for a home because the great, greater story, which would be good to kind of tell the whole story, and I'm not sure if you can do this with just scripture because it might get really long, but you could pull out bits and pieces and rewrite it um, or at least give some background information to it, is that the field is being purchased so that refugees can have it when they return. So what can you purchase for those without a home? You can help a homeless ministry or have tiny home buildings or do a habitat build, but also it's for refugees. So what can you as a congregation do for immigrants and refugees um, as far as providing shelter for them and providing a place for them to arrive for when they arrive. So, um, our chaser today is, was a blessing that we received at the ELCA churchwide assembly. So, uh, April Larson, who is the first uh, Bishop of the EL in, in the ELCA, um, wrote this blessing on to her daughter-in-law, uh, Renee Shiptel Larson on her ordination um, and you can find the full uh, blessing in uh, Renee's book called A Witness, The Haiti Earthquake, A Song, Death, and Resurrection. And April used this again um, as we were celebrating the 50th anniversary of women's ordination, the 40th anniversary of uh, ordination of women and color, and the 10th anniversary of, of lifting barriers to LGBTQIA individuals for full ordination. So... And it was just lovely, and I know there's a lot of people who wanted the full words. So this is, I think, the words. Proclaimer to the proclaims, priest to priest, Christ-bearer to the Christ-bearers, you are and have been and will be a blessing to so many. Your mothers raise their hands and bless you. Apostle Mary Magdalene, evangelist number one from Samaria, the great confessor Martha, the widow who gave up everything, prophets of the great reversal, Mary and Hannah, women of courage and vision, Esther, Ruth, Deborah, prophet, musician, liberator, Miriam, women of justice, Seraphonician women, Sephra and Pura, daughters of Zelophad, models of Christ, and the unnamed priest anointing Jesus's head, pastor to Jesus, mothers in faith, Sarah and Hagar, missionary Priscilla, to you, dearest priests and pastors, your mothers in the faith bless you and give thanks to God for your call as priest, leader, mother in faith, shepherd to God's people. We celebrate you and we give thanks and we give God thanks for your leadership. Oh, I got goosebumps all over again. <laughs> So we wanted to leave you with this blessing, even if you are not a female pastor, just that we celebrate you and give thanks to God for your leadership. Um, but a great celebration. Uh, Amen. Yeah. So what we do next time, Lydia? Yeah, 
Well, we are going to be talking about playgrounds. We're going to be talking about um, helping our worship services being all ages fresh, especially for our youngest disciples. Um, and then kids, so also children's sermons, but also how do you incorporate kids as worship leaders? So like basically like all inclusive, all inclusive kids yep. and young people. And I will be freshly back from the Growing Young Conference. So this will be right on my mind. So hopefully lots of ideas to share with you all. Oh, we're, we will be about to launch, at that point, we'll be about to launch um, a new Kids on the Autism Spectrum family-friendly service in October. Woo! That's awesome. Um, so in the meantime, uh, you can find us on Facebook and uh, Twitter at Lit- Liturgy. You can also email us, especially if you have any of those ideas for how you incorporate kids in worship. Uh, email us at litliturgy at gmail.com, L-I-T-L-I-T-U-R-G-Y. And thank you to Brian O'Dean for being awesome and for music. And in the meantime, this is Becca. And this is Lydia. And we're reminding you to always drink and plan worship responsibly even if you're drinking coffee and tea. And like, how are we going to clink? <laughs> Just like that, Lydia. <laughs>